story. Uh, there were two men on a plane, heaps of other people on the plane too, don't get sidetracked, just the two men we're focusing on. So there was one air hostess, she goes up to the first guy at the front of the plane, she says, sir, here is your parachute. This is going to make your flying experience much better, trust me, put it on. And so he puts it on and he's sitting in his chair and it's like heavy and bulky and uncomfortable and itchy and kind of hot and he looks around the plane and there's no one near him who's wearing a parachute and he's thinking, I'm sticking out like a sore thumb here wearing this bulky thing. Soon they encounter turbulence and so as the plane's going up and down and he's bumping around in his seat, he thinks, this isn't making my flight easier at all. And he takes his parachute off and he doesn't put it back on. At the other end of the plane, another air hostess goes up to man number two and says, Sir, this is your parachute. At some point during this flight, you will be called on to jump out of the plane. Put this parachute on. This is how you use it. When you jump out, if you don't have it on, you'll die. So he puts the parachute on. And pretty soon he finds it's bulky and sometimes uncomfortable and it's heavy and hot and he feels a bit itchy and he looks around and he can't see anybody else in his area wearing it either and he feels worried for those people and he's trying to convince them, guys, I think you need a parachute. The air hostess said we need a parachute. I've got one. And no matter what he says, he can't convince them to take one. But no matter what they say, there's nothing that would convince him to take his off. They try mocking him, they're taking photos of him, look at this guy on the plane, they're Facebooking it, um, they try to bribe him, they try to trick him, they try to take it off him. Nothing they do could convince him to take that parachute off his back. So he keeps it on. I'm not going to tell you the end, you just have to be in suspense, what happens, who knows. Uh, the analogy I'm trying to draw is that the parachute is a bit like our faith. And why do we have some people who've had an encounter with Jesus and then they leave their faith behind somehow or they just let it fade and it doesn't mean anything to them anymore? I believe it's because they didn't have an understanding of what it meant in the first place. Like guy number one on the plane, he thought she said it was meant to make it easier and it doesn't seem like it's easier. I look like an idiot and it's... It's uncomfortable, so he takes it down. I believe it's from a not having an understanding about what faith is, who Jesus is, what the whole point of faith is, how do we actually live by faith. So what I want to talk today is make sure that our understanding about who Jesus is is right, what actually living by faith looks like. Because I feel like, we, I, through my life, I've known so many people who have said, I believe in Jesus, I'm following Jesus. They sing all these songs wherever, the cross before me, the world behind me, rah, rah. But then they just let their faith fade away. And I feel like I'm watching people taking their parachute off and they haven't understood how immensely, exceedingly precious having faith in Jesus is. I had someone who asked me, uh, what do you have to tell the people today? Because it's hard to preach. Pastor Rob's like, you just have to get a point. I said, can't you give me one and then I'll talk around it? He's like, no, you get a point. The point is the hard bit. Talking around stuff, I can do that all day. But getting a point is hard. And they said, 
What's the one thing that you have to tell the people? What's the burden? What's the thing on your heart that you'll just die if you don't tell it? And the thing I want to tell you today is that if you have faith in Jesus, never let it go. Don't put it on a shelf and let it become dusty. Don't let it get faded away. Don't just let it drift off. Your faith in Jesus is so, so precious and you've got to hold on to it. So if you maybe... Um, are going through a hard time right now. Let this uh, message, we're going to read through Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, and get all fired up about faith. Uh, let this be like an encouragement. Let this be a refiring up of your faith today. If you're not a Christian, and you're one of those people that look around at your Christian friends or family, and you're like, come on, love. Church isn't that great. Why are you so excited about all this stuff? Why are you putting faith in Jesus before like stuff that we consider normal? Then perhaps today will help you to gain an understanding of why we are putting Jesus so high in our lives. So I'm going to read um, from Hebrews 11. And I'm not going to read every line. If you've got a Bible, you can open to Hebrews 11. Uh, mine's on page 2105. I don't know where yours is. Near the back. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, we've got heaps of brand new free ones we can give you one. Or it's free to have it on your phone as well. Just Google you version, Y-O-U, and you can have one on your phone. Have it in your pocket at all times. Uh, if you are not a believer in Jesus, that's okay. You don't have to be a believer to read the Bible. Anyone can read the Bible. If you can't read, you can make it talk to you on the phone. So I'm not going to go through every line, I'm just going to read about each person and hopefully you're beginning to see a bit of a theme happening here. Can I have the control of that? Can I get control work? Is it on? Nope. That'd be the problem. I still don't have control. Is that me? Yes. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about what we cannot see. Through their faith, these people in the days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we believe and understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we see didn't come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable sacrifice to God than Cain did. If you don't know who these people are, they're people in the Bible. The writer of this book, actually we don't know who it was, it could have been a girl called Priscilla, um, or it could have been Paul, someone who loved Timothy anyway. Uh, he's writing to say Jesus is greater, faith in Jesus is greater than anything that's ever come before and anything that ever will in the future. So he's talking through all these people who are in the history of the Jewish people. By faith, Abel brought in more acceptable sacrifice to God than Cain did. By faith, Enoch was taken up into heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. By faith, Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By faith, Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave his home and go to another land God would give him as an as inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. 
And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith because he was like a foreigner living in tents. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. It was by faith that Sarah was even able to have a child, though she was barren and too old. How would you like your name to be in the Bible as too old as a woman? She believed God would keep his promises. By faith, Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. By faith, Isaac promised blessings to his future sons, Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. That's how I want to go out. Blessing my children and future generations and, and, and worshipping God. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He said that when they were going to 400 years in the future. He even commanded them to take his bones with him when they left. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one that is invisible. Isn't that just what Joshua was saying? Keep our eyes on the thing that is ahead, the peace or the promise that God is promising you up ahead. It's not close, you can't see it, but let's keep our eyes fixed up there. It was by faith the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they're on dry ground. It was by faith the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. So it's not just for some elite group, it's for every single person. I bet you and all the other people are like, we get the picture, wrap it up. So he says... How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount. See, you're listening to your audience. It would take too long to recount the stories of faith for everyone. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. And then there's this massive big rah-rah at the end. Something that you'd hear at a Hillsong conference. Listen to this. Come on. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received God's promises. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flies of flames. Come on. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle. They put armies, not finished. Come on, armies to fly. Women received their loved ones back from the dead. Massive big rah-rah. It's a big rah-rah at the end, and then there's a little bit more, which I will reveal shortly. It is by faith that, you know, these people are going to Thailand, not because it's an interesting experience, but because they believe what they're doing is going to have some eternal, somehow some eternal significance. It's by faith that Pastor Rob and Pauline are pouring out the best years of their lives working for this church because they believe that it's not a waste of time. It's not just stuff to make people happy. It has an eternal significance. 
Look at all these slides. It's by faith that any of us get out of bed in the morning, isn't it, to come to church because we uh, come here by faith that we're singing and we're praying and we're being together to worship a God that we can't see but we surely know. It's by faith that so many of you love and care for uh, complete strangers in our community because you believe that in giving them free love and care, you're demonstrating the love, free love and care that God has for them. It's by faith that we pray in the name of Jesus when people are sick, when people are hurting, when people are needy, we pray in the name of Jesus. That's by faith that even just his name has more power than anything we could do on our own. It's by faith that we pray. It's by faith that we fast. We say to our bodies, not today, body. No food for you. You've just got the name of Jesus like honey on your lips and the word of God as food to your soul because we believe the word of God that describes some supernatural exchange when we pray and fast. It is by faith that... I don't know the year, maybe 2007, 2005, one of those. Uh, I lived in WA. We believed that God was getting us to move to a town 900 kilometres away with uh, some possessions. And we had no money to get a new house there and no trailer to take our possessions. But we just declared in faith that God would help us because we believe that's what he said to us. And by faith, I got to see the fruit of that. As some people who I never met or even talked to the phone or ever asked offered us their house-to-house sit for months when, just when we, we needed a place. And some man who I never asked just happened to be taking a massive empty trailer from where I lived, 900 k's back on the very weekend that we were going to move. There's so many stories that each of us would have. It's by faith that I even stand here today. It's by faith that I ever stand up here, somewhat with Paul, you know, with fear and trembling. God has never emailed me the message to say or written it on a wall or downloaded it or Facebooked it to me. He's never made it clear in the sky or anything. But by faith I come here today and I believe that, you know, people would say against all scientific proof, I believe that there is a God of the universe, a creator who made everything that is seen, although he is unseen, and that he wants to speak to us today. I hope you've come with open and expectant hearts today because I believe that God wants to deposit something of faith, a fired up faith, so we live by faith throughout these days and that we understand what that means. It's by faith that I ever prayed to Jesus in the first place, that I just dared to believe in him because I didn't have any special feelings, I didn't have any proof that Jesus was there, I just dared to believe. Other people had told me about Jesus and I dared to believe. And it was by faith that I said, Jesus, I want to follow you. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen, the assurance and things that we cannot see. 
And I'm so glad I did because I've found hope in Jesus and I've never found anywhere else, although I tried really, really hard looking everywhere I could think of and I never found any hope. I'm like Peter. When Jesus is standing, talking to his disciples, everyone's like, oh, Jesus, your teaching is too hard and they wander off and Jesus says to his disciples, uh, who do you say I am? Do you want to go off on your own way too? Peter's like, where are we going to go? You are the one with the words of eternal life. Everything else is just nothing. We believe that you are the one with eternal life, the words of eternal life, and that's, that's what I've come to believe as well. Our faith is so precious. Our faith in Jesus is not something that can be cast to the side. When you think about that story I told about the first parachutist and, and how he just like got uncomfortable and put it down, and when I, I think about people who somehow get confused or just let their faith grow cold. I think there's some disconnect here because we've got people who are literally being tortured or crucified now and not giving up the name of Jesus. They're saying, I would rather go through that than give up the name of Jesus. And so there's something terribly wrong in our understanding of who Jesus is and what our faith is and how we live by faith if we just put our faith down because of some, what, anything, anything at all. We've got to come to that place where we understand that our faith in Jesus and that Jesus is worth more than anything. And the, the, um, in Philippians it says, where does it say? Oh, yeah, I was going to click through all those. That would have been awesome. <laughs> I'll click through them later. Philippians 3.8, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. And if you don't understand what I mean by that, let me explain. The other day I saw this, uh, I think it was on like the project, I don't know if anyone saw it, it was only recent. There was this um, dad, he's 25 years old, and he was um, gearing up to go to the Olympics uh, as a um, high jumper. Yeah, I'm like, what's that thing where they jump high? A high jumper. (laughs) The high jumper. And so obviously to be an Olympic athlete, you're working so hard, your whole focus is on that for so long. But there was an accident. His car came rolling down the steep driveway towards towards his daughter. And so he did surely what any father would do. He jumped in front and he got his daughter out of the way and he was hit by the car. It's a great story because the girl was totally fine. She got a few bruises. He has a smashed pelvis and won't be able to walk for about three months. He'll still be able to walk again. So it's a really good story about this dad saved this kid's life. But the reporter kept showing pictures of him, how he used to do high jumps and how he used to do weightlifting. And she was almost lamenting, oh, now he won't be able to... Be in, Olymp- be in the Olympics, as if he might, as if there's any scenario that he might go, well, I know if I did let her die in front of the car, then I would still be able to do the Olympics. But, you know, you're just in the split of the hair of the moment, the heat of the moment, you make these choices without, there's no scenario where that's going to happen, is there? For him, the equation of his daughter's life, his daughter's life, exceedingly precious, way up here, Everything else with us. Smash pelvis, no problem. Way down there. That's not even a comparison for him, is it? Legs, even to walk again, way down here. Worthless in comparison to saving his daughter's life. No amount of money. There's no scenario where he's going to go, 
Let's weigh it up. Okay, daughter's life. That's in the lead so far. Pelvis, no problem. Left leg, no problem. Left arm, no problem. Right hand. And my right hand, I use that all the time. It may be equal. I'm not sure who's going to win in this. There's no, that's not going to happen, is it? There's no scenario. There's nothing in comparison. There's only his daughter's life. He surely would have given his own life. He would have counted that as loss. He would have counted that as, as worthless in comparison. And this is what the writer of the Philippians is saying. He's saying, the knowledge of Jesus in my life is so exceedingly precious that everything else pales into significance. It's not saying that they're not worthwhile things. Pelvises are totally awesome. And smashed ones, not so much. But in comparison to knowing Jesus, everything else pales into insignificance. And the thing that, the thing that struck me when I read that, when I saw that story as well, is that is how Jesus considers us. That's how Jesus considers you. He you know, if you think of that dad, was there a split second that he thought, is she a good girl? <laughs> Has she done her chores? Is she likely to turn out all right? Does she swear? No, there's no scenario. Because it's not what the girl did, it's not her behaviour, it's not what she deserved, it's not anything that she could have ever done for herself. He threw himself in front of that car because of who he is. He is her dad and she is his child and he saved her. And Jesus looks at you exactly the same way or abundantly more so. Nothing that you could ever do, nothing that you deserve, it's got nothing to do with your behaviour or anything in your past or future. He saved you, he gave his life because of who he is. He is your God and he loves you and you're abundantly, exceedingly precious to him and he would sacrifice anything. There's not even a comparison. We're like, oh, Jesus, the terrible things that you went through when they put the crown of thorns. It makes me cry. It's so horrible. We get to Easter. I'm all, oh, see that. What was that movie that Mel Gibson did? The Passion. I couldn't even watch it. It made me want to vomit thinking that that happened to Jesus. But to Jesus, he's saying all of that is, oh, I just endured it and it was nothing and I'll do it a hundred million times more for you because you are just so abundantly precious in his sight. There's nothing else more precious to God than you. It's nothing to do with if you're good or not, or if you try hard or not. It's because of who he is and who we are. And that's, that's what our faith is in. That's what our faith is in, this God who loves us. Nothing to do with religion, rules, regulations, things that you have to do. It's all about a relationship with Jesus who just absolutely loves us. He wakes up, you wake up in the morning, he's already right there watching you. <laughs> like that. Isn't she cute when she sleeps? Look at that little dimple. Oh, he's drawing a little bit. So cute. 
Just like we watch our own babies when they were, so we tiptoed in the room, but then we watch them. That's how God considers us. He just totally, totally is madly in love with us. That's what our faith is because that describes who Jesus is and it describes who we are. Then we know who we are. We're, I'm the one that he loves. Nothing else that the world says about me doesn't even matter. I'm the one that Jesus loves. That's who I am. So that's why our faith is so important that we get that part right, that we know it's nothing to do with religion or how big the Noah's Ark was. I don't even care. It's about a relationship with Jesus. And that leads us on to the next part that I said. I sound like a primary school teacher. That leads us on to the next part, which is awful. Uh, Does anyone know what's coming up next? It's just awful. Man, if you read that part on your own, you'd be like, wow, that's awful. If you read the whole Hillsong thing part out, yeah, come on. Quench the flames of fire. Shut the mouths of lions. Put the armies to flight. Weakness turned to strength. Yeah. Faith is awesome. Everyone come get some. Faith in the good times. We prayed they were healed. Yeah, Jesus. And not even the next verse, halfway through the next line, says, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips, and others were put in chains in prison. Some died by stoning some were sawed in half. Crumbs. It's not a magic trick. They actually, all the way through. And others were killed with a sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute, oppressed, and mistreated, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and in holes in the ground. How could they do that? How could, how could they be sawed in half if... Only they just said, I won't turn my back on God. I believe in Jesus. Oh, if only they said, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't, I don't have anything to do with that dude anymore. Then they would have been set free. Why didn't they do it? They didn't do it because of, because of this. Everything else pales into significance, even the cost of our lives, the cost of our comfort, the cost of our everything just pales into insignificance when it comes to just knowing and having Jesus in our lives. You know, the other day, I heard this testimony uh, on YouTube. He didn't come visit me or anything. Of, the, of the, one of the guys from that heavy metal band Corn. Does anyone know who that is? They write the K like backwards. I know the R's backwards. Something like that. Um, so it's a heavy metal band. He was well into this heavy metal lifestyle, um, really messed up on drugs. He said he was. I'm not making that judgment. He said he was. Um, his wife really messed up on drugs. They had a little daughter. He, he said, I'm messing up my kid's life. What are we doing to this kid? But he said, how? He wanted to leave the band, but how? 
Could anyone leave a multi-million dollar super successful band? Every, every album that they put out become massively famous. They're multi-millionaires. They got fame. They got fortune. Everything they do seems to turn to gold. How could anyone leave, he said. So he allowed his life to be messed up, his kid's life to be messed up. His wife in the end um, died somehow due to drugs. And he still was like, well, I can't leave this band. But when he came to know Jesus, he came to believe in Jesus, and eventually he gave his life to Jesus. He said, I want to follow you, Jesus. He just left the band, just like that. He said, it's not even a comparison. It's not even on my radar. All that stuff is empty, fame, fortune, hooking up with people, drugs. It's all just nothing compared to knowing Jesus and knowing who he is in Jesus. There's nothing, there's just nothing more important. And I know to the, to the rest of the band maybe and to probably heaps and heaps of his fans and stuff, that would have looked like a dud choice, right? He's leaving the, this awesome famous band to become like a churchgoer or something. It's a dud choice. But to us who walk by faith and not by sight, we're just, oh, just so, so glad. Can't even believe how how glad we are that he, he could see what's real and what's just emptiness. We walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. By faith, that's what I want you to... Let's say it together, by faith. By faith, by faith. let's walk by faith. So, you know, obviously we're going to go through hard times. Bible is super clear. Nobody in the Bible says... Do this for an easy life, like the air hostess said. Nobody says that. Everybody in the Bible says, this is going to be a rough life. Jesus said, in this life, troubles will come. It's clear. One of the, I think somewhere Paul says, everyone who's a Christian will be persecuted. It's pretty clear. But we just want to be like Jesus as he, where does it say it? Uh, in Hebrews 12, because, this is Jesus, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding his shame. And now he is seated in a place of honour on God's throne. So think of the hostility that he just endured and then you won't become weary and give up. Just keep, have your eyes on the prize. Just keep looking forward to the joy waiting ahead. If you're um, you know, going through a hard circumstance, like we were singing these songs, it doesn't matter what I feel, it doesn't matter what I see. My faith is not based on those things, it's walking by faith and not by sight. So our faith will be tested, and we go through testing times, tough times and stuff. The funny thing about testing is I run first aid courses, heaps of you have been, and everyone at the end of the day or some point, I go, here's a test, a paper test, it's multi-choice. And so many people are so afraid of tests because they think, oh, I was useless at tests when I was at school, don't make me do a test. But in fact, if I don't give a test then you can't pass. The test is not to fail you and go, ah, you fail, I'm kicking you out. The test is to pass you. Otherwise, how will you know? How will you know that what you've got in your mind is the correct information? How will you know that you've passed? There's no way that you'll know. So the test is there to pass you. Otherwise, it's just the same as you're watching a TV show. You're just observing. You're not doing anything. So the test is to pass us. God allows tests of our faith to pass us, never to fail us and go, ha ha, you failed. 
always to pass us. He's always on our side. He's always there. The Holy Spirit saying, dude, I know the way out of this. Just follow me. There's a secret door. What's the way in that song? You make a way when there seems to be no way. He knows the way. The test is to pass us. My, one of my favouritest verses in the whole Bible, although it's exceedingly difficult to live, obviously I'm not saying that I live this. This is a disclaimer, but I'm just saying that it's awesome if we do. James 1.2, I possibly say this every time I preach. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for a pity party for great joy. When troubles come our way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. When I'm having a rough day, I'll text Pauline and they'll go, I am having so many opportunities for joy today. <laughs> there is joy just opportuning itself left, right and centre today. And then later on, and then the car broke down. What joy! How many opportunities can I have in one day, God? Thank you. Because you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. Don't let it go, let it grow. When troubles come, it's not an opportunity for a pity party. It's an opportunity for great joy. And like when my first baby was born and started to do anything clever, which we thought was everything, we had like a little Amy's So Clever dance. <laughs> so she took her first step, let's do the Amy's So Clever dance. All of us, heaps of people in the room would do like a little Amy's So Clever. <laughs> when she did her first poo on the potty. <laughs> <laughs> said her first word, wrote her first letter, all that stuff is a, when opportunity, when troubles come, it's not an opportunity for a pity party, it's an opportunity for a declaration dance, let's just do it, let's get, this is what it means to live by faith, this is an opportunity for God to come through and for us to go, like one of those stories about my trailer coming through, for God to give us his spirit and for us to go, God came through for me again, and then God came through for me again, and then God came through for me again. Like those words, his grace and his mercy are my testimony. He's just doing so many things in my life. Some things just pass because time goes past. But if we're living by faith, we'll see that, that every trouble that comes is our opportunity for great joy. It doesn't mean that troubles are giving us the joy. Seeing God come through for you, Knowing that Jesus loves you and cares about every hair on your head gives us great joy. Imagine if we lived every trial like that, every trouble that comes across as a proving ground for our faith, making us stronger and stronger. How awesome would that be? It, what, what I want to do is this. Lean forward. I'm like, here, come here. I want you to imagine with me now. Let's do some imagination. Imagine with me that you, at some point in the future, that some really testing time 
is happening to you, something really tricky, something that's really stretching your faith. And, you know, you pray, heaven seems closed, shut up shop, you're hearing nothing from heaven. There's no word from God. Now, just decide in that circumstance that you're going to live by faith and not by sight. Even though you can't see Jesus, you can't hear Jesus, you can't feel Jesus, you're going to say, I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. You're going to look at that circumstance and go, yes, that looks very bad. But my circumstance does not have the final word on my life. Jesus has the final word on my life. That you're going to walk through that circumstance and say, Jesus has the final word on my life. And Jesus says that he will give me hope and that he will give me a purpose and that he will give me a family and that he loves me and that love never fails. And that I could walk through the fire and the flames and he will be with me. I could sink down to the lowest point of the ocean and he will be with me. I could fly to the ends of the earth or float off into space and he will be there right with me. He will never leave me orphaned. And even if I die, he said that he will raise me up again and I will live with him and I will see him face to face. That's Jesus' final word, not the circumstances. Just imagine if we could live that way through every trial. And church, I believe that we have to. I believe that this is the way that Jesus calls us to live because then and only then can we actually reflect who Jesus is. In Hebrews 13, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We've got to be people who, through our lives, hard stuff comes and goes, circumstances up and down, but we are not people who are swept around by the circumstances. We're walking by faith and not by sight, so we can truly and genuinely reflect that Jesus is the solid rock that we're standing on. Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is the firm foundation of our lives and he never changes. His promises never change. And we have to live by faith and not by sight so that we can be a witness. Imagine the witness that would be. So good to tell people, oh, let me tell you about this incredible miracle that happened in my life. So great to tell people that, isn't it? But also in our hard times, let me tell you about this super hard time I'm going through, but you know what? My faith is strong and it tells me that my eyes are looking forward to the promises that Jesus gives me and that's a witness as well, church, and that's a witness that our community has to hear if they hear anything about Jesus. That's what they have to hear. So don't we need each other to live like that? Can anyone live like that on their own? We need each other, or even the little ones, everyone. We, ha we need to read the Bible. 
to live like that as well. We have to know his word so that we can live like that. If you are going through a hard time and you, or in the future, then you know, read through Hebrews 11. Read, here's a good one. I don't know if you know this one already. Habakkuk 3. Let me leave this with you. This is my other favourite. They're all my favourite. But this one is awesome. This one, Habakkuk. Weird name, but awesome stuff that he says. Chapter 3, verse 17. Disaster is about to strike where Habakkuk is. It's begun and it's just getting worse and he knows it's getting worse. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, even though there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails, even if the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields, even if the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice In the Lord, I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. No matter what comes our way, no matter how difficult the circumstances look, yet, even though I can't see him and I can't feel him and I'm struggling to believe, yet, even though the news sounds so bad, I can't see any way out, yet, I will rejoice in God my Saviour and I'll declare these promises over my lives. Declare these promises over your lives, church, and declare them over each other. And don't let any of us take the parachute off anymore. Let us know what faith in Jesus really is, how exceedingly precious this gift of faith that you have is, how awesome to know the love of Jesus. There's absolutely nothing that can compare because That's the only way we can know who we are. Let's just pray. I'll just get that music team. I'm just going to say a prayer to close. Just a real quick one. Don't have to get massively comfy or anything. Just consider now what do you need to have faith for? What are you walking through right now that you need to walk through by faith. Is there something that even this morning the Holy Spirit's been nudging you going, man, I've got this one. You can lean on me for this one. By faith, let's walk by faith. Oh Lord Jesus, you said we only need faith the size of a mustard seed. It's not the size of our faith. It's the size of your power. Jesus, I just pray for every person here that we would have a laser-pointed focus on what lies ahead, on your promises, that you would put that faith deep within us, that we'd just be able to walk through every circumstance, not looking down at the tripping things that want to trip us up or weigh us down, but looking ahead. And that we'd carry that word in our mouths like the dove carried the olive branch, that we'd carry that word of faith in our mouths. We thank you for the gift of faith. God is so precious to us. And Lord, I pray for every person here, if there's anyone who doesn't know you, Jesus, that if they want, if they're wanting this morning, if they're willing, that you would give them a gift of faith, your gift of faith, Jesus. Help them to know what the writer of the Philippians was writing, that just to know you, Jesus, just to know your name, is worth more than anything. Thank you, God. Thank you, church. I'm just going to invite Emily up to close our service. Uh, So if we can, let's welcome her up this morning.